Welcome back to All About America's Team, brought to you by Delahanty Media. I am Ray Nickens, joined with... Owen DeChico. And we are here to talk about the horrific crime scene left at Jerry World, where the Denver Broncos stepped all over the Dallas Cowboys 30-16. to 16. In this episode, we will do our best to break down exactly what the heck happened to the Cowboys, and then dive in uh, to some game film to, to kind of break down... Um, break down and figure out and answer that question. And then we will then go into Dak Prescott's performance as well as talk some defense uh, as they are not off the hook either and must be analyzed. We will then wrap up Cowboys talk with some questions for Owen by yours truly me that I've conjured up from the ashes of the Cowboys defense. So let's jump right into the episode with some injury news. Owen, what do you have for us? Uh, Tyron Smith is supposed to, he, it, he's going to play based on if he has a good week of practice, Michael Gallup supposed to be coming back. Tristan Hill may be coming back, which is definitely going to be good because Cowboys need some defensive tackle help. And we may not see Demarcus Lawrence for a few more weeks. They haven't opened up his three week window yet, which is not a good sign, but he should, they should keep him out, um, on the IR as long as he needs to be because, at this point, Dallas has going to have a cakewalk into the fourth seed, I guess you could say. So they're going to need everyone to be as healthy as they can in a few weeks. So I think that's all that I saw all right. injury report-wise. All right, sounds good. So let's get right into the disaster that happened Sunday. So the Dallas Cowboys were embarrassed Sunday afternoon by the Denver Broncos, 30-16, to 16. But it was not even that close. Dallas was held scoreless for up to the four-minute mark in the fourth quarter. So, Owen, I'm just going to kind of give you the floor. Take as much time as you need. Um, You've been the biggest Cowboys supporter on this show, really hyping them up, saying they're, you know, one of the top teams in the league. So, I mean, I've said that too, but you put them up. You've been really putting them up on the pedestal. So I'll just kind of give you the floor and kind of, ask you what exactly happened to the Dallas Cowboys last Sunday. Well, I wouldn't say that I put them on a pedestal. I said last week they were the fifth best team in the NFC, and then you said that they were a little bit higher on the NFC ladder. So I I, I don't think I ever said they were they, – they were definitely – before last week they were definitely one of the better teams, but who really knows what's going to happen now. But we'll, we'll get into that. So obviously Dak had the worst game of his career – I don't understand how a quarterback can not play for over a year and have a shoulder injury and still come back from an ankle and look great against the Buccaneers and then miss two weeks to a strained calf and then miss a lot of easy throws. And I think one of the worst ones was in the beginning of the game where it was third down or maybe even fourth down and he missed the drag route. And I I thought it was tipped because of how bad the throw was. And then Ray was like, no, no, no. He just had a bad throw. And I was like, oh, that's not 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 very good. Zeke uh, was only got the ball 10 times, 51 yards. So pretty good for him. But I think if you want to make, if you want to look at the game for who played the best, definitely going to be Micah Parsons. He had 10 total tackles, eight solo two and a half sacks, three tackles for loss, and three QB hits. And it just shows how game-changing he can be if 
obviously he didn't take the game over. He didn't do anything to swing the, the game into Dallas's favor. But if he doesn't have this game, then the game then Denver could have scored 40 plus points because they were a few times on third down where Micah sacked Teddy. And I thought, okay, like may, maybe, maybe Dak and company can put some points on the board. But as we know, that did not happen. And Leighton Vanderesh, after me wearing his jersey two weeks ago, had a horrendous performance last week. But this this past week, he had a pretty good game: ten tackles, seven solo, and one tackle for loss. Uh, rest of the team: Trayvon Diggs. I I don't know what to say. That was he needs to stop biting. I don't. I he usually he gets beat by speedy guys, but Tim Patrick is. I don't think he's all necessarily all that fast he's pretty good though but he got embarrassed by him on a few throughout a few plays um reason why dallas lost i in the beginning of the game i liked how um mike mccarthy and uh kellen moore kept on going forward on fourth down but at some point in time you just you can't be so greedy you have to take you have to take your points because a report came out after the game that denver was livid that Dallas kept on going for and didn't respect them as a football team. And I understand that Dallas wanted to get, get a few touchdowns on those two early uh, drives in the fourth quarter. But if it was, if if they went up six to nothing, then this game could have been completely, completely different. Terrence Steele is not a left tackle. He looked horrendous out there. And I, I hope that next week, if Tyron Smith can't go, that they they move Lyle Collins back left tackle and have Terrence Steele back at right because that was it didn't necessarily make Dak play worse, but it definitely didn't help. And Dak, speaking about Dak, he had a horrible game, and I don't I know that Dak is one of the quarterbacks who will definitely admit that, and he did admit it, but it was it was really really bad to see. And it's funny when, because back to back years, I think when last time the Cowboy played the Saints, Teddy Bridgewater, when Drew Brees went down, Teddy outperformed Dak. So Dak, Teddy so far has had Dak's uh, number, which is not a good thing when Teddy Two Gloves has been around the league for a few years and it ha- has been on a, a few different teams. So not not a good sign for Dallas and, and Dak. And a very bad case of the drops. Amari, I kept on seeing posts about how, how Amari's gotten 54 catches and had zero drops. And I was like, all right, at some point in time, he's going to have a drop. And he had a really big one on third down. Uh, he was wide open. And I'm sure that Ray and I have talked about it. Sometimes when Dallas is out of the game, Amari mentally goes out of the game. So I assume that was just him not being in it, him not accepting the ball. And because that it was a, it was really really bad, and now I've got I've seen this a lot. Is Dallas done? Are they done as a team? And Ray, I wanna I want I'm gonna say something, and then I want to hear your feedback from it. So Ray, who won the Super Bowl last year? The Bucks. Okay. Do you know if so? Okay. Before I say that, November eighth of last season, the Saints played the Buccaneers. Now, they played them twice because they're in the same division, and the Buccaneers lost both games. Mm -hmm. But the more important one was on November 8th, and going into the game, the Bucs were 6-2, and and the Saints were 5-2. So the Saints only had 
one more win than Denver and Drew Brees was still there and Drew Brees at at that age it's I don't know if he would be I don't know if you could say that he's better than Teddy cuz he couldn't really put the ball down the field much and go and Buccaneers had one more win than the Saints did and the Saints ended up winning 38 to 3 and Brady threw three picks and the Bucks defense got torched and what when did, what ended up happening to the Buccaneers? They went, they ended up winning the Super Bowl. Now Dallas is definitely not as good of a team as the Saints are. And after that game happened in 2020, the Buccaneers won their next game against the Panthers, and they lost to the Rams. And the Rams were a pretty good team last year, led by Jared Goofball. So it can. I don't think that this game necessarily takes them out of having any chance of winning a game because right here you could even say that Brady had a worse game than Dak because he threw three picks and he had more yards than he did. But I'd, I'd much rather have the game that Dak did than him throwing three picks. And Dak's one pick was definitely a bad read, but I would much rather have that than three picks. So I do I think Dallas is a Super Bowl contender? no. But it does show the other teams have had performances like this, and I saw a tweet for the from the um for people that are writers for the Cowboys, when the Cowboys were really good in nineteen in the nineteen nineties, there were a few times where they got, um, the, uh, um embarrassed on the field, and they ended up still doing well. And I'm sure Ray could give me a few times when Dallas was embarrassed in the nineteen nineties, but I think that this 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 game is going to be a defining point of the season. Now, if Dallas stinks for the rest of the year, they're definitely going to still make the playoffs. It may be a thing where a few years ago where the Panthers won, made the playoffs and they were like six and nine or something like that. But hopefully that's not the case. This, this, this game's either going to make or break Dallas's season. And I think the, the, the future of this team is riding on how they respond to this. Because if this team doesn't, doesn't do well, then Mike McCarthy, his job's gone. And depending on how the defense did, who gave up 180 rushing yards and had a season high of 10, or maybe it was 18, something like that, missed missed tackles, and it was it was really bad out there. I, I the running back who was a who was a UNC graduate, he had one hell of a game, and I, it was embarrassing. But hopefully Dallas will be able to respond to this, and they're not going up against Atlanta. Isn't going to be an easy game. Atlanta just beat the Saints off of a walk-off field goal, I believe. And I don't think there's anyone on Dallas' defense that can stop Pitts unless you're going to put Diggs on Pitts, who is probably the only one that can keep up with them height-wise. And they don't have a wide receiver unless Calvin Ridley comes back from his absence on the football field. But Matty Ice can still put a decent game together as Ray is smiling. But I, I, when this game reminded me of that game when the Buccaneers were embarrassed by the Saints and they lost to them twice that year. And they ended up still winning the whole thing. So the floor is yours. I have said my piece. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you, you said a lot of, Great, wonderful things, uh, especially 
regarding the comparisons of the 2021 Dallas Cowboys to the 2020 Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa, so, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, yeah, so I'll just start with that because that's the most fresh and kind of go from there. So a couple of differences that I see, although it is a on paper a pretty similar situation, some of the differences <laughs> – are number one, it was Tom Brady's first season with the football team. They didn't this and by the way, this is not me, you know, defending Tom Brady because it is what it is. He had another disastrous performance a few weeks ago against the Saints. But at that at that point in time, it was uh his first year with the team, first year with a new head coach, first year with new wide receivers, first year with pretty much everything. And it was coming off an off season with a pandemic or in a pandemic. So there wasn't really much off season uh, training camp, et cetera. But just to talk about that specific game, the one issue that I have with the comparison is that team had Tom Brady. And I think when you have Tom Brady on your football team, you just have a leadership that's just better and greater than any other football team in the NFL. And that's not me knocking on Dak Prescott as a leader. I think he is a solid leader and is the team rallies around him and that's nice and great. But having Tom Brady is just a completely different level of leadership. And also Bruce Arians, I prefer I like Bruce Arians a lot more than I like Mike McCarthy, especially with some things that I just heard recently, especially you know five, 10 minutes ago from Owen that I'll touch a little bit on later on in the show. But I think Bruce Arians is just a better head coach than Mike McCarthy is, and um, getting a getting a solid quarterback. He had he coached uh, Carson Palmer in Arizona. They were a solid explosive offense in Arizona. Didn't quite get over the hump, and then you bring in Tom Brady in Tampa and get over the hump in the very first year. Also. <laughs> Uh, the the Bucks don't have to deal with Jerry Jones and Jerry Jones will hear from uh, you'll hear me say his name again later on in the sh- in this episode just because man Jerry he he's quite a character and he uh, his three serpent monster heads reared their showed themselves again and he was quite a a factor in what happened what happened this last Sunday but just that's just my opinion on the comparison of the the Cowboys and the Bucks. Now, for to answer your question, are they done? The answer is no, they are not done. They still have eight, nine more games left on their schedule to play. And their schedule is not the hardest schedule. They actually have a few games that we thought were going to be hard that are now that are now very winnable, one of those being the Chiefs. And then two games versus Washington. Washington has just been a disaster. I'm very disappointed in Washington. But <laughs> and and then they Arizona. And then Arizona, who's going to be a tough test anyway. But I think I I do agree with you that next week is going to be very important because as in the past, the Dallas Cowboys have not responded well to expectations and pressure. So if the Cowboys were to drop another one to Atlanta. They would have the Chiefs coming to town the very next week, and I believe Oakland after that. Yeah, the the Raiders on Thanksgiving. Yeah, the Chiefs and the Raiders both are have a winning record at this time, as well as the Falcons. So they have three straight games against teams who are above five hundred. So I think Arizona will be the the most winnable game out of those three, 
However, Arizona has not Arizona. Atlanta has vastly improved over those set from last year to this year. And even without Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan showed that he can still get a get a victory. They upset a Saints team who just upset the Bucks. So I think and and if, and plus we talk about um, Owens mentioned mentioned the term revenge game, talking about the Cardinals. This would be a revenge game for the Falcons, who blew last year's game to the Cowboys on a lot of crazy things, but one being the onside kick where they lost their minds and didn't recover it. But so like you like kick. Yeah, like you said, this is a very important game for them. Even if they lose this game, I still believe they will win the division and make the playoffs. However, I think their long-term success relies on this on this game because yeah, I I guess maybe potentially Jerry would extend Mike McCarthy if they made the postseason. However, I have no idea. Uh, we'll we'll see in that regard. But but yeah, and just yeah. to really quickly touch on just the Cowboys um, as a whole, I think there were there were a lot of you know. There are a lot of videos, tweets, impersonations of of people around the team saying that the cow the locker room was full of broken, embarrassed players. There there have been reports of them not practicing well the last two weeks. Um, reports that they were relying on their talent and their belief that they are better than everybody else in the NFL. And just I want to pose one quick question to you. And we can kind of start a little bit of discussion on this because I think this is a pretty important thing and needs to be addressed. And the question is, what what exactly do the Dallas Cowboys have at all to go on in the last 25 years that they should be think that they can walk into any game and, and win? Because they – and unfortunately, this is me being a, a huge fan, and this is just – this is painful. They've, they've won three playoff games in 25 years. No Super Bowls, no NFC Championship appearances, um, very few division titles. So they've really kind of been a disaster the last 25 years. And the fact that the we continue to have a arrogance problem where we think that we're better than everyone else, even though we haven't been better than everyone else for 25 years, is just kind of alarming. And that's just why the, one of the reasons why I think the Cowboys are not close to a Super Bowl is because they still have that problem where they believe that they're better. And until they realize that they have nothing, they they can't lean on any sort of success, and they just have to kind of be treat themselves as the underdogs and not the not the best. They're not gonna they're not gonna make a playoff run. So that's just my two cents and just curious to hear what you have how you would answer that question. Would you say that this team personnel wise is different than last team than last year's team? Yes, I think they have better pieces. Okay. Yes. So I, I think that this team is young. And I think that for rookies, two year guys, because for the first time in a while, Dallas has, I guess, egos on the team. C D has an ego. He when 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 they won in overtime. He waved off Mills. I think. I, I think his I, the Patriots. He, he um waved off Mills. Was well, speaking of waving off, Josh Allen should have been should have gotten a fine for waving off the whole Dolphins team. But that's 
a whole nother issue. So I think that when when you come into the league your rookie or sophomore year and people on your team are having a lot of success, like digs, a lot of interceptions, you lose by one score to the defending champs and you win six straight. I think for players like Micah, who definitely has a history of having a big ego, they're going to get full of themselves and think, hey, if I don't practice well for, I don't, if we don't, have, if we don't practice well for two weeks, we haven't lost in six weeks. So it doesn't matter. Denver has four wins. We're going to go and we're facing Teddy Bridgewater. And when you don't practice well for two weeks, I think that it, it was alarming. And I think that Cooper Rush saved the, saved the Cowboys because this should have happened two weeks ago. They should have been, they should have gotten embarrassed by, the Vikings and they should have been five and two instead of six and one. And who knows? Dallas might have won this game going off of that, or they might have still lost. And we're we're here at five and three saying there are a lot of issues on this team now. But hopefully I I don't think that I hopefully McCarthy will be able to connect with his players, but like we saw on hard knocks, I don't think that these players were a bit were big fans of what Mike had to offer with his mojo moments and all that. I think that they bought into it, but when he first said it, they kind of like made fun of him. Was like, what is this guy talking about? Because all of the most of the players on the team are about your like about 23, 24, so they're pretty young and they got to listen to a 45, 50 year old guy who has no idea what, what a life for them is like. So it's going to definitely be interesting. I expect, and like you said, this team has nothing, not, they, they have no backbone. They have nothing to rely on. But like, oh yeah, well, we won something. Because most of these players weren't even alive for the last time Dallas won a ring. So it's definitely going to be interesting. And there are a lot of players on this team who are in a contract year. Randy's played well, but he was a non-factor last last week. Layton's in a contract year, and he had a pretty good pretty good game. But most of the safeties that Dallas brought in last year were on a contract year. And I think that Ray and I can both admit when Dez was on a contract year, he had a monster year. When Demarcus Lawrence was in a contract year, he had a great year. When... DeMarco Murray was on a contract year. He had a great year. When Dak was on a contract year, he was gonna he was going to break a lot of records, but then he got injured. I'm sure or Amari when 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 he was in a contract year, he had a really good year. So I think that it's harder for for defenders for safeties to have really big games because I don't think people love tackles. People don't people don't respect like there, there's there's no safeties that had the aura around them like Cam Chancellor used to or anything like that or like big body safeties who are gonna knock you down. So it's I think it's more difficult for safeties to have big years and contract years, but they're gonna have to get paid whether it's from Dallas or from any other team. So m- most of these players are gonna have to play for their future in the NFL for this for this year. So hopefully they'll get some type of backbone because the last backbone thing to talk about was 2018 where Dallas almost lost to Seattle because they got cocky and let Tyler Lockett score 
a 70, 80 yard touchdown. And when they thought they had the win in the bag and everyone was celebrating, luckily they, they were able to win the game. But that speaking of 2018, remember, remember that Colts game where they lost like 23 to nothing and they got embarrassed. I do. I do. Yeah. So that game was the exact reason why Dallas lost to the Rams. Because that that game showed teams that if you just run the ball up the gut, Dallas does not have a defensive tackle. So run the ball up the gut, and, and they're going to lose. And what did the Rams do? Ran the ball up the gut with, who was it? Um, CJ and... Anderson. Yep. Crazy and Todd man. Gurley. Oh, yeah. The best best game of his career. And I, I like the Cowboys' response, how Dak said that he hopes other teams play them like this because... Dallas, they didn't they didn't show them anything that they didn't know. They they said going into the week that we're gonna put eight men in the box and we're gonna have Dak throw the ball. And what did they do? They did that. Granted, your offensive line didn't really play all that well, but if Dak makes three, four of those throws, you probably have a better shot of winning. So I so who knows? But I like I've said before, Dak is Dak is known to have a few bad throws, but he usually has one bad game. I think we, I think we can all agree that at least one game, not in 2016, unless you want to count the two Giants games, but 2017, 18, 19, 20, he's due for an abysmal game. And this one was the most abysmal of them all. But they're not gonna, they're not gonna be able to practice mad all week. And then expect to go out there and to just blow throw the Falcons out. And if that's what happens, then great. If you can embarrass the Falcons, then okay, go go into next week against the Chiefs and have some type of um, confidence. Because if you go into the Chiefs without any confidence, Patrick Mahomes and his band of misfit toys are gonna blow you out, and it's gonna be even more embarrassing when you're six and. Four. When you're seven and two or se- seven and three, and you just lost to one of the worst teams in the NFL, and then and then and then you have to go face De- Derek Carr, who's not a great quarterback, but can definitely beat you. And they have a really good tight end, and Dallas doesn't have, which is why I miss Byron Jones because Byron Jones was always put on the big tight ends, like he had to go face Gronkowski, and he he played well against Gronk, but they don't have that lanky type of corner and Diggs can't really cover all that well but who knows so that is I think I answered your question for all the five seconds and then I went on a little bit of a rant but the Cowboys don't have a backbone and I hope that McCarthy can put and just fix the team I guess you could say yeah um, so but um yeah, you said you said some interesting things. I think, um, I think that that it's all, all all true in a sense. However, in regards to, um, the the young excuse, I feel like as a an organization, um, and this really starts at the top. This isn't necessarily the players' fault, but when you're when you're run by Jerry Jones, who is very he, he expresses his opinions quite often. He has his own radio show um, that he has every week. He talks a lot in the media. 
He's always talking about how this is the best team we've had since the 90s. He said that quite a few times um, in the last five or six years. And it's really hard as a player to to tune that out. But I think I think what I'm trying to what I expect to see is from those older guys, those um, Dak Prescotts, Leighton Vanderesh's, Zeke Elliott, Mari Cooper. He's been there for a little bit, but those guys who've been there for a little bit who can you know talk to the youngest, be like, hey, know you're hearing a lot of this stuff from Jerry. Um, we have to do our best to stay one step at a time because we, be and be honest, like we haven't done jack bleep as a team yet. So, that I just like to see a little bit more um, humility, I guess, because I feel I feel like as watching watching the Cowboys for 15, 16 years, it's been the same same thing. They they either start off really strong, they go thirteen and three. They're all hyped up. This is the team who's gonna play, who's gonna win the Super Bowl. Then the quarterback goes on a trip on vacation the week before and comes in the game and doesn't doesn't back it up. His receiver is are dropping passes, offensive line plays his worst game in the entire year. They lose to the Giants. Uh, and then you have, you know, just the other other crazy stuff um, that happens with the Cowboys, the T.O. problem, T.O. T.O. problem, Des Bryant on the sideline with his antics. Uh, Pac-Man Jones. Pac-Man Jones. Uh, Zeke Elliott just, problems. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's it's just a-, a pattern. And as soon as they break that pattern is the is, is when they'll break through. And it, I've seen – it was great at the beginning of the year where you were seeing some signs of change, but then they walk in and hear the reports after this week where they were relying on talent. It's just not a great thing to hear, especially when you're down 30 to nothing with five minutes left in the game. I think this is a perfect situation where Dallas misses Witten because they don't have a player who's been around for Witten. And yeah, you could say Tyron Smith, but Tyron Smith, Zach Martin. They they've both been there for a while, but who are you going to listen to? A eight an eight, and who's been like eight nine season left tackle? Who? I mean, I, I assume think. I assume Tyron Smith is a pretty um, big leader oh, in the cool. locker room, especially protecting being responsible for pro- protecting the quarterback's blind side. Yeah, but I, I feel like if you have like a quarterback or a corner or a linebacker or a tight end who has been in the league for a few years, which is why Dallas brought in some of the older guys like Everson Griffin last year, who they they tried to put him in a position that he wasn't supposed to be in. But I think that this, this just goes back to Dallas. I, I always hate whenever whenever Dallas loses or whenever Dallas doesn't play well. And they always say, like, we trust our guys. Like yeah, you you do have you do have people coming in from the IR Lawrence, who at a time a few years ago was a top five defensive end in the league, but Ray, besides besides um, Randy Gregory, name me one defensive end on this team. I Wayne Gallimore. G- Gallimore is a tackle who did, he's coming back soon in a few years. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And Randy, when he's getting when he's getting double teamed, 
you're not going to have Terrell, you're not going to have Basham go out there and go get a few sacks. He's going to be productive, but he's not going to have a, a coming out game like that. So Melvin Ingram, who had a sack on the very first play for the Chiefs, or ha- who had a really big, who had a, who had a big play. I don't know if it's a sack or a QB hit or something. They gave up a sixth round pick for him. You mean to tell me that Dallas is going to find a hidden gem in the sixth round? The last sixth round pick that I could think of, Xavier Woods, and look how that turned out. I'm probably missing a few people, but I don't understand why Stephen Jones is so attached to picks, especially that late of a pick. Go get him, Ingram. Von Miller, I understand a second and a third pick are pretty premium, so definitely don't give up those, but there are definitely some players that they could have gotten on defense that would have helped them out. And it's just, it's disappointing, especially after how many, or the past few seasons, how Dallas has been pretty active at the trade deadline. So, yeah. But yeah, just, um, I want to get into a few quick points that I have on why the Cowboys ended up losing this game. And just the main focal point that I think is why they lost is because is is just goes back to what I am going to talk about Jerry and, and Mike a little bit is they don't really, they don't really have anyone in control other than Jerry Jones. And just an example of this is we had um, Lyle Collins at right tackle and they moved Terrence Steele to left tackle. So the report, the report that Owen shared with me was that Mike sat down with Jerry Jones to, to talk about the game plan and basically set up what they were going to do against the Broncos. And first red flag, why is the owner responsible in any sort of game plan that you're, that the head coach and the, and the, the, the coaching coaching staff are supposed to come up with. That's just a question that I would love to have answered by Jerry or Steven or even Mike, if he wants to answer it, that would be great. Why Jerry is, is a main focal point in that. But I feel like through seven weeks of the season, you should have an idea on what players are good at. And the fact that they thought that it was a good idea to move Terrence Steele from right tackle when he was having a great, great season by, by far his best season by far. But last season, he was not very good. He was kind he was a liability on the offensive line. So to just, to just take a small six game sample size and go, well, we think he can survive in on, at left tackle. And so we're going to put Lyle Collins at right tackle. I just think that it was a completely bonehead decision. And I think that goes back to them just believing in their talent and not basically, and not their personnel skill set. I think if, I think if, um, Gosh, what's our defensive coordinator's name again? Uh, Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. Before, before we I say think, that, I think that the reason why they put Collins at right and Terrence Steele at left, because Terrence Steele played in the Big 12. I, th- I don't know which college. I think he might have gone to he might have gone to Texas Tech, I think. He played left tackle. Early. He's played left tackle at a more recent than Collins has. Collins hasn't played le- left tackle since... He was drafted at LSU because he's, he's played left guard and then he went to right tackle when Doug Free was retired. So that, I think from what I understand and reading tweets, that's why they moved him to right tackle and put Steele left because Steele played, he had more experience or recent experience at left tackle than Collins did. I didn't like the move either. I think that, that I don't, 
it was pretty dumb because Steele looked like 2020 Terrence Steele out there. But yeah. I, I think that's why they did. I don't think yeah, they, I, don't I, think I hope I hope that's down. the yeah I hope that's the reason why they did it. But just just thinking about what the report, I think I don't know how much involvement Dan Quinn had in building the so-called game plan. If Jerry and Mike were sitting down at dinner or wherever they were discussing <laughs> game plan, so I just really think that, and especially with the report from Dan Quinn saying I've I built my game plan. Not Dan, well, that doesn't even make sense because Lyle Collins is not on defense. But <laughs> so why am I even bringing up Dan Quinn? But besides the point. He he mentioned that he 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 himself built his his scheme based on the skill sets of his players. So I think if he's doing that, then I think maybe Mike Mike and Kellen and the staff on offense did the very similar thing. And I'm sure Terrence Steele did some work in at left tackle and practice over the offseason. And for some reason, if this just he just looked like complete trash this game and didn't look trash in the offseason in camp, then I I no no response. But if he was showing any sign of weakness at left tackle in the offseason camp, training camp, offseason workouts, etc., then I don't know why you'd put him at left tackle, especially when he's the young guy, he's not a veteran. Lyle Collins is a veteran. I'd much rather have a veteran in that position than Terrence Steele. So that's just my first point on why the law they lost. The second point is they just they they faced a, a great defense. I think you can you can talk about the Cowboys. They didn't play their best game. They looked bad. They had a bad week of practice, etc. But watching the game, it just looked like they just got completely annihilated. It wasn't the fact that they did drop passes. Yes, they did have miscues. They did mess up. But they didn't turn the ball over other than turning it over on downs until late in the fourth quarter when the game was over. So they didn't really shoot themselves in the foot with turnovers. And the receivers, they were just – they went up against – Solid corners. Sertan had a little bit of action, but then he he left early in the first quarter. And then Ronald Darby was in the was another corner. He did a great job. He was they the receivers were not really open the entire game. They were they were pretty covered. And Dak missed a few guys. And Tony Pollard dropped a wide open touchdown pass. Probably he was nobody in the vicinity. But the corners they did a great job of of neutralizing the Cowboys' offense and. It just kind of shows if you get a lead early on the Cowboys and get them in a position they're not in, then you can play your player game. What the Cowboys are great at is getting ahead early and forcing other teams to play to play the Cowboys game. But if you can get up 14, 13, 16, nothing on the Cowboys, it's it turns into the 2019 scenario where Cowboys are down by a lot of points and they can't get out of that hole. And then they score a lot of points at the end. And that game looked exactly like that. Dak and the offense could get nothing going. And it just, it just shows exactly the the blueprint to beat the Cowboys. And unfortunately, Trevon Diggs has fallen back to earth. I think he's getting a little bit, people are not afraid to go after Trevon Diggs because of his, his, his um gambling addiction um he he does not there were i i pointed this out 
a few weeks ago against the Panthers, and when we were talking about Diggs, I think the week after, the fact that he left his guy to go intercept a pass that was in the middle of the field. And, I mean, I think it's great that he had the intent and the knowledge to do that, but that's not going to work out in later on in the season. And he's he jumped that route against against New England. That ended up being a touchdown. And then he got beat by Tim Patrick, and that was a touchdown. So it's just one of those patterns that I'm talking about where he he's still doing the same things, and it's a recurring pattern. And I think that that could become an issue later on in the season when it gets to playoff times where teams are over and over again double-moving double moving Trevon Diggs. And I think it needs to be addressed in one of those things where Dan Quinn preaches, hey, we got to play our scheme. We can't try and be individual guys. And I think Trayvon Diggs is kind of teetering on that individual decision-making and not scheme-based decision-making. And I think that 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 could be a problem later on in the, in the game or in the season. But just those two things, I think – I think the um, the game plan for Steele was a big factor, and then just the fact that they played a very great defense and weren't and and underest and under underestimated that great defense and just kind of got kicked in the mouth. And one of those examples, just before I turn it over to you and we move on, is Williams took the ball, ran through a few guys broke through, ran for another 20 yards, and then carried Trayvon Diggs and the other secondary members an additional 15 yards. And the it just shows that, you know, the, the Denver Broncos had a lot more intensity and wanted it a lot more than the Cowboys did. And, yeah, they, they just they, – they were ready to play and the Cowboys weren't ready to play, and that's just kind of what happened, 30 to nothing. Yeah, I, uh, I I do agree with that. But going back to the um the great defense, I think that sometimes stats can lie to you with with being great because yeah, they they were high in, in rushing and passing and overall. But going off of their schedule, they let up thirteen points to the Giants and they won. Let up thirteen points to the Jaguars and won. Uh. Jets got a donut. They gave up 23 points to the Ravens, gave up 27 to the Steelers, gave up 34 to the Raiders, and gave up 17 to the Browns, gave up 10 to Washington, and gave up 16 to the Cowboys. So, yeah, they, they beat who they're supposed to beat, and they, then they upset Dallas. But the, team that, but the teams that they were meant to lose to, they got embarrassed. And... Pro Football Focus is the worst, worst stat or worst website to go to outside of yards and easy things like that. Because when when they just there are definitely some players who are way better than, than Pro Football Focus gives them credit for. And I think Dallas had a court like had the fifth best passing offense. How? Dak is nowhere near top five in passing. There's no wide receiver that's top five in yards. No wide receiver is top not top five in in receiving touchdowns. So it's and they're definitely not top five in red zone percentage. You could say top five in points and top top five in points per drive, but I I outside of those two things, 
you could say that Denver has, has one of the better scoring defenses, but I, especially with Von Miller, him being traded, I feel like some of those stats can definitely be be lying, but they definitely beat the Cowboys and embarrassed them, like we've been saying. And they definitely did play like the best defense in the league against Dallas. Yeah, they they showed a a, a chart, a diagram on uh, during the game, and basically we're talking about how it was the Cowboys passing offense versus the Denver Broncos passing defense. And I believe the the stat was they were third in the NFL in pass defense. So it ju- it just I mean, like you said, stats are can be convolu- convoluted based on strength of schedule. But even when you do what you're supposed to do versus the bad teams, and you and every defense is going to have a dud and here or there where they give up 30 points to a team that they shouldn't. But then when you back it up, follow it up with a donut against the Cowboys until pretty much garbage time when you put in uh, the third stringers, then it it should be, should be celebrated and you should be acknowledged as a top defense. So that's just my little two yeah, cents on that. But yeah, so just a few, uh, just a few quick stats from the game. Um, Caden Stern intercepted Dak Prescott out of the university of Texas. Uh, just a shout out to, um, one of my buddies who who asked me during the game, why do Texas corners always perform in the NFL but do nothing in college? That is a great question. I do not know. So just a shout out, shout out to that from a few days ago. And then also, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much all the quick facts that I have. Oh yeah, the other quick fact: the Cowboys have not beaten the Denver Broncos. Since 1995, so not a not a great great place to be in. So you can we could we could just throw that out there and be like, hey, we're not destined to beat the Broncos ever. But <laughs> I don't really think that's that's the reason why. But they have been beating the Broncos since uh, Shannon Sharp was playing tight end there, and yeah. Shannon had, had a, a shot great in 2013. Sunday. We did have a sh- we had a shot in 2013. We did not do it, unfortunate <laughs> and very sad. And then 2018 was very similar to uh, 2021, uh, quite an embarrassment. And Trevor Simeon was that quarterback, and we'll be seeing Trevor oh, Simeon fairly soon this year. So we'll see we'll see how the Cowboys do versus against- versus Trevor S- Simeon this time. He a, he a Cardinal. He's with the Saints. He's he's. He is the oh, starting okay. quarterback at the moment for the Saints. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Yeah, just Colt McCoy is the Cardinal, I think he is, and he had a solid game last week uh, versus the 49ers. Yeah. Who? Uh, what? I don't know what's wrong with the 49ers, but <laughs> it's oh, well, not the working. Right tackle, Mitch McGlicky or whatever his name is. He just tore his ACL or meniscus, something like that. So hopefully he'll have a speedy recovery. But I feel like. Always something wrong with the 49ers. I don't know what it is, but injuries always get them. I they they have no running back. So but I I can say I can definitely say that I I am sick and tired of talking about Cowboys losing and they had I haven't had to do it in six weeks. But this this one loss has been the weight has carried the weight of a losing season so far. Yeah, I mean 
me personally, I've kind of been waiting for something like this to happen. Uh, you, it, we all are. Yeah, it, it's destined and, to happen. And I think, and I think that when the fact that the Cowboys' defense, they've been showing a lot of signs of improvement, they still have the same fatal flaws that doomed them a lot of times in the recent years, where they struggle stopping the run if you stick with the run. And when they struggle with the run, then they struggle with the pass because they don't have the greatest secondary. And I really think that their strongest their strongest point on their defense is their linebacking core. 100%. And Micah Parsons, he does everything for that team. He's the only player that I'm not giving an F for this, for this week. And I considered giving him an F, but then I slept on it a few nights and said, well, I can't really give him an F because he – It is an A+. Plus, an he A+. Does his plus. Job. He does his job. So His job? He's been better than Chase Young through nine games besides sacks. He has two and a half less sacks. He's had a hell of a year running away with defensive rookie of the year. Well, He ran yes. away with it since week one. Yes, he 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 is an incredible player. I wanted – I – I pitched him, and he has backed up my pitch. But in the sense of the scheme that the Cowboys run, he does his job. He's not going to make mistakes. And you can always depend on him to to um, show up to play. That's really the one player who who wasn't affected by the two-week poor practice with, the with as you mentioned, the 10 tackles, the two sacks, Etc. And he had a few pass deflections as well in coverage, which was a good thing to see, especially because he struggled with coverage and with Jabril Cox not being with not being on the on the field for the rest of the year with his injury. It's nice to see Micah step up in the passing game. 100%. But really, have no praise for the wide receivers at all. They all played terrible. Gallup coming back though, so so I cannot. Gallup's the only like wide receiver on this team that can like go up and get it. I know Cooper did it against the Vikings, but, but, but Gallup is like our mini Des, And, and I, I love the man from Colorado state. And hopefully one thing I heard is that what if Dallas is doing this to hurt his, hurt his trade value or his contract value? Cause he hasn't played in eight weeks. If they don't play him all that much, they can re-sign him for cheap. And so are the, so do they plan on letting Cedric Wilson walk and then signing Michael Gallup? Is that the plan? I don't think Cedric's going to want a lot of money, but in my my offseason like who they who like power rankings, number 1 is Gallup if you can get him back. If not, put a put a aren't there like those tags or whatever where if someone else franchise signs tag. Yeah, I wouldn't put I wouldn't put a franchise tag on a wide receiver. No, I mean like like the um like the first round tender, second round tender, maybe something to look at. Um, you know what? The, yeah, it's it's like where like if you put it on them and someone else signs them, you get like yeah. a first, you, get, you get their first round pick. Yeah. Okay. Number two, Jaron Curse. He's been the most vocal person on this team on the defense at least. Just great things said about the man. Had a pretty bad game. But so did everyone else. And then you you got to bring back Dalton Schultz. And I, I definitely, yeah, definitely some other ones. I'm looking forward to um the off when we go into the off season and we can we can dive into who gets extension and Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory is up there. Him yeah. and Gallup are one and two. They, you can switch them whatever you want. 
Yeah. So um, just one more question that I have for you before we kind of wrap this up. I think we've kind of gotten through our ranting and disappointment and sadness. But one more question that I think needs to be addressed. Ezekiel Elliott, he he's very spotty. And, it, and he's been very spotty in his performances the last this this season. And even though he had a 10 carry for 51 yard game, he once again showed that he struggles to get a yard. He um, on the first fourth down, they ran it to Zeke and he got stuffed. And there are multiple times in this game where he got stuffed for zero, one yard, two yard, three yard. And it just seems that when Tony Pollard comes in the game, he, you get that quick burst. He still generates power. He runs through guys, gets a few extra yards. So I'm not saying that we should just completely bench Ezekiel Elliott because I think that that would be just a detriment overall to the locker room because I think a lot of people love Zeke and Zeke is viewed as a leader. But I do want to ask you, what do you think about maybe turning this more into a committee back role where Tony Pollard gets a lot more carries, but Zeke is still getting carries as well? Because I feel like, Tony Pollard, when he's in and running the football, there's a lot, there's more explosion coming through the line of scrimmage than you get with Zeke. Yeah, I, I, I was saying that after last year, I thought definitely after last year that Pollard should definitely get some more carries. I think that he's had a lot of a lot of success with his carries. Um, in a perfect world, yeah, give give Pollard more carries. But last thing you want to do is is take away. From Zeke, if if you go if you go into next week and Zeke's not getting it, all right, Pollard. Here are the keys to the car, but you should definitely always the first few drives is, is Zeke. And I wish they would do more is have Pollard as like a slot wide receiver and and give him the ball that way. Cause when he at Memphis, he was a big returner and a wide receiver or like a mm-hmm. slot wide receiver. So hopefully we, he'll be able to do that in the future. Yeah. We saw his, his return ability this last yeah. week, really the best play of the game when he almost broke one for a touchdown. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. he, he, and he broke a few tackles on that return as well. But, yeah, I think especially with Zeke, he, he got banged up this last game. He had some sort of knee contusion, I believe. That's what and I was thinking. That just that gives that gives him an opportunity to run Pollard a little bit more to keep Zeke, um, I guess, somewhat healthy because he is definitely going to play through that injury because he went back out there. And maybe yeah. that was some of the reasons why he wasn't hitting the holes, but – and it just it been a common theme since he got his contract where he's kind of had those um, hit or miss games and he is running the ball well this year where he's you know top five top six in the league in rushing he's number but, five right now but I think come playoff time if they've got to have trust in Pollard to where if Zeke is not getting it done then they can go to Tony Pollard and I think giving him a little bit of a bigger role in these these regular season games especially when they have a six and two record and a huge lead over the NFC East right now. I think this is a great time to kind of experiment with the running, with the running, um, running back room. Yeah. One thing I want to say before we wrap up is if you want, if you want to find some positives in the Dallas loss, the Rams got embarrassed. Just Matthew Stafford looked like he was Jared goofball. For Matthew, a second out there. Matthew Stafford made my weekend. And I and I've been and I've been very vocal as being a big Matthew Stafford supporter, and I'm so glad that he's in LA in the sunshine and not in Detroit in the gloomy, rainy, abysmal, horrible, sad area. Not to hate on Detroit, but 
it's not it's not it's not um California. <laughs> but True. and especially with Matthew Stafford being a Detroit Lion, all of those characteristics that I mentioned about Detroit were probably very em- um emphasized in his lifestyle. Yeah. But the but the play where he was getting sacked and he tried to do a 360 mm-hmm. spin try and get the ball out i'm pretty sure i don't even think he was trying to throw it to anyone i think he was just trying to not not get, not get a safety tackled yeah. for a safety and he just so happened to throw it to the the the, the, yeah. defense, the linebacker and it was just one of the funniest things i've ever seen in my life and yeah well unfortunate that they threw it was a turnover but fortunate that it gave me some a some cheerful laughs. cheerful laugh well Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to our miserable, miserable week. And hopefully we will be back in a few days to be happy for the Cowboys go against Atlanta. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at All About America's Team and Twitter at America's Team, capital P, capital C. And follow the YouTube at All About America's Team and just uh, try to, uh, yes, uh, it's going to be an interesting next few weeks. Uh, so if the Cowboys uh, if the Cowboys go go uh, go get some more wins, you can hang out with us and be happy. But if they do lose, then you can come and you can witness Ray be the happiest man on the planet. I don't know if I'll be the happiest man on the planet. I'll... I'll surely try and find ways to be entertaining. I might bring, I might come up with a a new character that <laughs> you know, maybe some more nicknames, uh, a, a disguise. We'll we'll see. But we're gonna have to come up with some uh, more nicknames for uh, Thursday or Friday. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about starting an overreaction Monday. Where after every Cowboys football game, I will just post a few tweets that are completely overreacting to certain situations, just to try and get a little bit of laughs out of the out of the of Twitter community, and not necessarily being a truthful statements, but trying to get a little bit of uh, of traction. But we'll see. But yeah, that's gonna do it for us today. Thanks everyone for watching. We'll be we're. Really trying to uh, be back pretty soon this week, especially with the the game coming up on Sunday. And that podcast will for sure be out before Sunday. And we will post on the social medias that Owen listed um, when that that episode releases. So take care, everyone. Have a great rest of your week. And go Cowboys. Go Cowboys.